0: This is Alexandra, and I'm calling from Houston, Texas. I'm 24 years old.
1: My name's Cameron. I'm calling from Manchester, New Hampshire.
2: The two most important things for me voting this year are specifically reproductive rights, abortion rights in Texas, and infrastructure. Truth be told, it is impossible to function without a car here or without access to some sort of independent vehicle. Relying on public transportation here is impossible, and I really want to support representatives and legislation that's going to help make our city more accessible for all.
1: I'm 24 years old and the reason that I'm voting in this upcoming election is primarily to protect our rights. I want to protect a woman's right to an abortion. I want to protect gay people's right to get married. And I also want to see Washington full of politicians that are interested in providing a health care system to everyone that is oriented towards getting everyone the best care as efficiently and cost-effectively as possible instead of one that's built to maximize profits for insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies.
3: Midterm elections could decide who controls Congress, who leads the states, and what goes in state constitutions, and they're just around the corner. And what goes down all depends on who shows up. Young voters turned out in record numbers in 2018 and 2020, but will they do it again in 2022? Stay with us. After the break, we discuss what drives young voters to the polls. We also get into what first-time voters can expect at the ballot box. I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. This message comes from NPR sponsor, SmartWool. Do you realize how many synthetic materials are in the clothes on your back and feet right now? That's why SmartWool is committed to sustainability, using natural, responsibly-sourced merino wool in their gear and recycled materials in their packaging. Enjoy 15% off your first order of base layers, socks, and accessories at smartwool.com. Let's jump into our conversation on young voters by welcoming our guests. Joining us from Oxford, Ohio, is first-time voter Victoria Simich. They're a first-year student at Miami University. Victoria, welcome back to the show.
0: Hello, I'm happy to be here.
3: With us from Boston, Massachusetts is first-time voter Cynthia Dominguez. She's a first-year student at Suffolk University. Cynthia, welcome. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Joining us from Washington, D.C. is Carly Matthews. She's a young voter and is currently the communications director for the American Conservation Coalition. That's a conservative environmental nonprofit. Carly, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. And with us to tie it all together is Andrea Haley. She's the CEO of Vote.org. That's a nonpartisan digital voter engagement organization. Andrea, welcome. Thank you for having me. So, Andrea, a record number, a record 50%, I should say, of all eligible young voters between 18 and 29 cast a ballot in 2020. That's according to Tufts University. What are the young voter trends we're seeing this year?
2: Yes, last election cycle, we saw a huge spike in um, youth voter engagement. This year, um, the, t- the the difficulty is that usually during a midterm election cycle, you see about 15% drop off. I'm optimistic this year, though, because at Vote.org, um, we've had over 5 million people come use the site. Uh, this election cycle, that is a lot more than we had at this time in the midterm cycle last time. So I think young voters are staying engaged. I think uh, we will see a little bit of drop off, but I don't think it's going to be Um, extreme. And I think
3: that people are connecting the dots between the things they care about and having their voice heard at the ballot box. Now, Victoria, you're voting this year for the very first time. What makes you want to cast a ballot?
0: Um, I, I think it's really important that my voice as a young person is heard, especially because a lot of the issues that are really being considered and are valued by a lot of the politicians that we're voting for are issues that directly affect me. And so I think it's important that you know, if, a, if an issue affects me and I value it so much in my life, then, you know, I should make an effort to uh, make a, a positive change in our community, in our country, um, so that I can be able to protect the things that are important to me.
3: Now, Cynthia, you're also a first-time voter. What's inspiring you to vote?
4: At this point, we are not, um, you know, young adults, and we have to learn and grow, and at We can't rely on others to make votes for us because now we're at the age, for example, myself and others that I know are freshly 18, everything is new, and I feel as if each vote counts. And if many who do not vote, I feel like it would affect not only themselves in the future, but- many to come for their children, et cetera, et cetera.
3: Hmm. I understand your dad has played a big role in your decision to vote. Can you tell us about that?
4: So my dad is an inspiration to me, of course. That's the reason why I'm going to university. And also my mom, but both of them, they did immigrate, immigrate from their home country. So my dad is from Honduras and my mom is from the Dominican Republic. And when they first got here, It was definitely a roller coaster and he has his work visa, but he's still not eligible to vote. And I want to play a big role of casting my vote, not only for myself, but for his voice as well.
3: Victoria, how are you feeling about casting that first ballot?
0: I'm nervous, but I'm also confident in myself and the decisions that I have made about the issues that I'm important or that are important to me. Um, It is a little bit nerve wracking um, figuring out, you know, have I done this right or, you know, did I submit this form correctly? You know, it it can be hard, Um, especially because now I'm doing early voting, but my original decision was to do uh, mail-in voting from Ohio Um, and as a first-time voter that can be very confusing because I feel that there are a lot of moving pieces in that and you have to account for the time it takes for mail to arrive and mail to be received and especially because moving to college has been such a large adjustment for me scheduling and keeping my dates in order has been a little bit more difficult than it was before so keeping in track all of those moving pieces with mail-in voting made it a little bit nerve-wracking for me but in terms of um, how I feel about the, the people that I'm voting for and the issues that I care about when I'm, I'm going to the polls, I feel fairly confident in myself.
3: Now, Carly, you voted for the first time in 2016. Take us back to casting that first ballot. How did it feel?
0: Absolutely.
1: So I was a senior in high school in 2016, um, and that's when I really got interested in politics. It was when I took a civics class um, and was just really passionate about using that right um, and kind of exercising that voting muscle for the first time. Um, I went with my dad to the polling place, um, so it was really special to be able to share that with him. Um, and I just remember feeling really grateful that my parents instilled in me respect for that privilege of voting and um, being able to use my voice for the first time.
3: So you can- that first ballot, and now you work in political advocacy. What inspired you to, to deepen your civic engagement?
1: Yeah, so I think the biggest thing for me um, was realizing that although I was right of center, um, you know, I didn't see right of center politicians really speaking to the my biggest issue, the the environment and climate change. Um, So it was important to me to use my voice and and get involved in advocacy to make sure that that both parties were coming to the table um, for climate action because really that's that's how we're going to make the most progress moving forward. Um, And I think we've started to see a little bit more bipartisan collaboration on the environment um, with the Great American Outdoors Act in 2020 um, to protect our national parks and even some energy legislation as well. So um, it's been really rewarding um, being able to use my voice, but also to help others use theirs um, to advocate for the environment.
3: Now, Andrea, many young voters are headed to the polls for the first or maybe second time this year, and laws vary state by state. But generally, what steps do I need to take if I want to cast a a vote?
2: Um, Yes, as you pointed out, and laws change and are are different in all 50 states in the United States. Um, But generally, you usually need to um, go to vote.org, You can register to vote at vote.org. You need to pay attention to when the registration deadlines are. In some states, um, those deadlines are happening. Right now, in other states, you can register on the same day that you vote. It just depends. So it's why it's so important to go and look up the information on vote.org and look up your state. Um, After you register to vote, you can make your plan to vote, which means um, you can decide whether, depending on your state, if it's available, you can vote early. um, You can request your mail-in ballot and mail in a ballot, or you can show up and uh, vote on election day at the polls. And so it becomes really important after you register to kind of look through what, what's available to you in your state and consciously make the plan for
3: how you're going to execute um, your vote. Now, there are lots of ways to, to cast a, ball- a ballot, depending on where you live. There's absentee, there's mail-in ballot, in person. Victoria, said, you said you're voting absentee. Cynthia, what about for you? How are you casting your vote? In person. In person. And Carly, for you?
1: Um, I voted absentee this weekend.
3: Well, we got this email from Jay who says, when I was a college student, the state would not allow us to use a college address when we registered to vote, meaning we would have to travel all the way back home or figure out absentee voting to cast our ballot. This means many people I knew in college didn't end up voting. What are the rules today? Andrea, again, with the understanding that rules can vary state by state, broadly speaking, what do young people need to know about the rules when it comes to voting from campus?
2: So broadly speaking, what you need to know is that it really depends on where you've chosen to be domiciled. Meaning, where where are you a resident? Are you did you switch your residency to um, if you're going to live you know four years in another state? Um, are you did you switch your residency or did you maintain your residency back home um, where you're from? And so you can vote. Um, you could do it for the most part either way. You just have to make you know that decision. So if you're um, if you're domiciled back you know, at your parents' house where you you live, then you need to request your absentee ballot. If you've changed your residency and are committed to staying um, in the community
3: where your college is, then go ahead and, um, you know, register to vote in that state. Now, you mentioned vote.org. Andrea, how do people navigate that site to find out the best procedures for them to vote where they live?
2: Um, You just go to vote.org. It takes less than two minutes. You can pull it up right on your mobile phone. Uh, You verify. The first step is really verifying that you're on the voter rolls still if if you've voted before. So um, you can verify whether you're listed or not. If you're not, it steps you right through a two-minute registration process. It's really important to remember. It's literally that quick. Um, So then you step through that process, put your information in, get registered to vote. um, And then you can click on what state you're in. And it'll give you all of the rules and laws in that state. So you know, whether or not you need to bring an ID or, you know, when early voting starts, uh, where you're as you get closer to election day, we have a tool where you can look up your polling place. So um, really, it's a kind of a one stop shop that makes everything much, much easier.
3: We've done all the hard work so that you don't have to. And really briefly, Andrea, what do people need to know about uh, registration deadlines in their state?
2: Registration deadlines are happening right now all across the country, so um, really important to to make sure you're registered by those deadlines so that you don't miss out on the opportunity um, to have your voice heard. If you're, you know, the, if there are specific states where you also can register on election day, but you need to check that um, and make sure that all your friends and family check it. Become the vote captain of your own life uh, so that everybody makes sure that they get registered to vote.
3: I'm curious to hear from from each of you, and I'll start with you, Cynthia. On college, was there a lot
4: of encouragement to to cast a vote or get involved civically? In college, not so much since I do commute. So it's very difficult because I do spend most of my time in the classroom or in the library. I would say what definitely helped me out with the voting process and helping me influence to vote itself was the Boys and Girls Club that I'm currently in, the Boys and Girls Club of Boston. They helped me so much from middle school, high school, and just transitioning to my adulthood. So they did provide the information that I did need. Hmm. Carly, what about for you?
1: So Temple University, where I went in Philadelphia, um, is a pretty um, activist-centric school. Um, There's a lot of folks who are really civically engaged there. Um, So I remember a lot of different groups trying to get folks registered to vote um, and providing information. So that was really
3: helpful as a young student. Victoria, did you start getting involved civically once you got to college, or did that process start earlier for you?
0: Um, So this is my first time voting. So Technically, no, but I have also been very politically active uh, for throughout most of my high school years. Yes. Mm -hmm.
3: Now, Carly, you mentioned the economy being or rather the climate being one of your top concerns when you think about who and what to vote for. What else is motivating you?
1: Yeah, so, um, I'm kind of on the older end of Gen Z. I'm 24. Um, and as a young working professional, I think the economy and inflation are really big factors for me. Um, you know, cost of living and, and cost of rent, um, in Washington DC is frankly astronomical. Um, so that's a really big consideration for me as a young voter. Um, and I think more broadly, um, for young conservatives, this is kind of a kitchen tables issue election. Um, And obviously, um, you know, if Democrats are in power, they're going to be blamed for the economy, whether it's fair or not. Um, So I think there's kind of that being top of mind for young conservatives.
3: Cynthia, you're in college now again, and you, you told us that student debt is something you care about. What else is top of mind for you this election?
4: Another thing that's a top of mind for me in this election is that just school in general. So with the federal student loan debt as of right now it's one point six trillion and it's only rising and as myself as a middle class it's definitely hard for my father, myself, my mother to be able to pay those those bills on top of paying such tuition. And then another thing that has also influenced me is the safety of various schools. For example, the school shootings that has been occurring all around the US. Victoria, what issues are top of mind for you
3: this election cycle?
0: Like Cynthia said, I'm also very, very focused on uh, safety and educational environments, especially because I still have a lot of friends in the public school system in uh, high schools. And so caring about their safety is something that's very, very important for me. Additionally, I'm very focused on LGBTQ protection, mostly because I'm a queer individual, so these policies directly affect me. But on a larger note, with the recent overturning of Roe v. Wade, which is also something that I very much care about, uh, Supreme Court judges such as Clarence Thomas are wanting to re-examine cases uh, like the legalization of gay marriage. Because these values are being reconsidered, I think it's important to have people in governmental positions that are willing to protect that right and and many others regarding um, LGBTQ issues and uh, a women's right to choose regarding ab- abortion laws.
3: And Carly, I know you're focused primarily on the climate and the economy, but what are you hearing from other young conservatives about uh, abortion access?
1: Yeah, so I think it's a really interesting question um, for kind of the young conservative bloc. Um, I don't think it's a it's a huge motivator to get them to the polls. Um, I think. Again, this is more of a kitchen table issue for them uh, or kitchen table issue election for them um, and kind of a referendum on the economy. I don't want to, you know, paint too... With too broad of a brush, I think certainly um, the the Dobbs decision may bring um, some young conservatives to the polls, but I don't think it's, you know, the top issue for that voting block.
3: Andrea, federal races like Senate or, or president get a lot of attention, but there are a lot of local and state level races to vote on. How important are those down ballot races?
2: Those down-ballot races are extremely important. Um, We get lost sometimes in the national discourse and don't realize that many of the things that affect your daily life the most are the things that are happening in your local elections. So, you know, if you care about education, that's going to be your school board. If you care about... um, you know, what's happening in your state legislature, your your mayor decides appoints agency heads and decides budgets. And so really, it, it becomes important to vote all the way up and down the ballot. Um, there are also races like, you know, depending on the state, you have judicial races that are happening um, as well. So these are really like the, the laws and things that are going to and decisions that are going to govern your day to day. Um, life. So, you know, once you vote at the top of the ballot, it's really important to go ahead and vote all the way down and and make sure you're looking at those local elections.
3: We got this email from Matt, who says, I'm a second-time voter in Virginia, and although Congress is the only thing on my ballot this year, I couldn't be more eager to vote. Young people like me are deeply concerned about the growing threat to our democracy, the right-wing war on abortion rights and the still-too-high cost of college. Come November 8th, I'll be up bright and early to be the first voter at my precinct at 6 a.m. Victoria, you joined our show back in January to talk about how you were feeling about our democracy a year after the January 6th insurrection. How are you feeling today? Just
0: as nervous, just as angry, and just as upset, Um, especially with the recent overturning of Roe v. Wade. It really reignited a lot of that uh, anger that I feel towards uh, equity in our government and um, under representation of certain people.
3: Carly, what about you? How are you feeling about the strength of our democracy right now?
0: Yeah, you know, I think we've definitely had
1: um, kind of a tumultuous few years um, from, you know, looking all the way back to 2016. Um, But I really do have a lot of faith in the systems that we have in place here in the United States. Um, I have a lot of belief in kind of the American people um, and, you know, the type of society that we're striving to build. So I try to stay optimistic and, and think about, you know, our strengths and how we can build on those.
4: Cynthia, what about you? I believe, as well as both Victoria and Carly said, I believe that having a safe and secure community and respect for human dignity and the equality before law all comes together and builds what we need in our, to influence others' elections as well. Andrea, how are you thinking
3: about the state of our democracy right now?
2: Um, the state of our democracy, look, we have two types of people in this country now. We have those who believe in inclusive and free and fair elections and those who believe in another style of government. Um, ideally, in this country, we would ha- be living in a country that has 80 percent voter turnout. But we often lack the political will to put the kinds of systems in place that would make voting accessible and um and easy for for everyone. So I think the state of our democracy is one that we're going to have to continuously fight for now. And it's going to take things like young people showing up like they did in the last midterm elections, like they did in the 2020 elections, and um, like I believe they will do in this midterm election, to really keep a healthy and thriving democracy. Really, the younger voters, um, when you include in that demographic, also millennials, um, are the youngest, I mean, are the largest voting block in America if they choose to show up. And if they show up, then I have
3: high hopes for the future of our democracy. We're discussing young voters and the midterms. Remember to join us for future conversations. Download the 1A Pop app and leave us a message. Let's get back to the conversation with this message from Mike.
4: My name is Michael Espy. I'm calling in from Flint, Michigan. I'm 18 years old and I go to my community college. My question is, how do you get young individuals involved in voting and motivated to vote when our society seems to not really care, seems to not really give us a voice.
3: Thanks for that question. Andrea, Vote.org has a campaign to encourage young people to turn up at this year's midterms. What's your strategy to reach Gen Z?
2: You know we have a whole multitude of strategies right now. Um, we are We have a micro influencer strategy, so we 're working with people who have large social media followings um, either on their campus or or um, you know if they're a student leader, a student athlete, um, somebody who just has a large following. We make sure that people are micro influencers are putting up information. Um, that, you know, shows the peer-to-peer engagement and and encourages other people to vote. We're up with ads on radio and streaming services. Uh, We have a college newspaper program that we're working with. We work with a lot of different schools and teams around voter registration um, and getting out the vote. Uh, We we try to be in all of the places where eyeballs already are. So that would be tech platforms like... um, Uh, Instagram and Pinterest and uh, Discord. We we integrate voting information into that. Um, Outside of that, we're sending text messages and emails. Um, We have an elections alert that young people can opt into. So that they get alerts from us when elections are upcoming. We have about 14 million people who have signed up for those election alerts and vote.org. So you name it, um, we're out here doing it. We really want to make sure that people are um, engaged and that they're seeing us proactively ask for them to participate in elections.
3: Well, Cynthia and Victoria, I'm curious to hear from you as first-time voters where you get your voting information. Cynthia?
4: So as I was saying before, most of my information I get is from online when I do my research or from the Boys and Girls Club themselves of Boston. They usually help me out to make sure that I don't go into a wrong website or don't take most of my information from social media because social media is often not a reliable source. So they usually guide me through the right factual information and aspects just in case I get confused. Victoria, what about you?
0: Um. Yeah, I, I also get a lot of my voting information from either vote.org or, um, official government websites that you, um, go in and do voter registration in. I also used, um, my older sister, uh, who is a journalist and is very, very active, um, for voting advice. Um, and I also called my mother a couple times to ask her some questions. There's also, uh, resources online from my university that talk about voter registration as well.
3: Andrea, how do you work to combat misinformation about voting, especially on social media?
0: That's a very tough question. I mean,
2: for us, we just, our biggest way of combating misinformation is to make sure that we are um, giving trusted and reliable information. We work with a lot of different influencers. We work with TikTok influencers, and we try to place correct information um, everywhere where we think there'll be a large number of people looking and and watching, but this is a continuous battle um, in our country right now, and so it really we try to educate people on using resources like Vote.org um, and to really pay attention to who they're who they're trusting and who they're you know getting their information from. Um, but the best way for us right now to combat misinformation is to make sure that voters know that there is a reliable resource um, that is continuously updated uh, that's available to them that they can trust for nonpartisan information just so they can have their voice heard and that that's vote.org.
3: Carly, you're working as a communications director, really focused on issues around the environment. How are you strategizing around connecting with Gen Z voters around this particular issue?
1: Absolutely. So I think we have to be realistic and know that climate is not the number 1 issue of this election. Um you know, we've Talked about a lot of issues that are facing young people today, um, and climate is just one of them. Um, so we've definitely been realistic in that way, understanding that you know we have to meet people where they're concerned. Um, we can't force an issue upon people. Um, but I think the big thing that I've noticed is climate can really get you in the door with young people. Um, young people want to know you at least have a plan for climate. Um, you know, maybe there are other issues that you have to check off as well. Um, but we're really trying to encourage candidates to you know have that climate platform address the issue head on um, and then, you know, win over young people with other issues as well.
3: Here's an email we got from Hannah. I'm 23 years old and I just graduated from college. I have always been interested in politics and this will be my second time voting. There are a lot of issues I constantly think about before this upcoming midterm election. The biggest issues for me are the future of democracy, women and minority groups' rights, and the voting rights of every American in this country. Being a biracial woman, I think people like me and the majority of others from my generation mainly believe that we are the ones who have to continue to fight since we are the ones who will have to deal with a certain dire and global issues later if they are not fixed now. I'd love to hear from all of the young voters what you'd say to your peers who are maybe not planning to vote this year. We mentioned earlier that half of eligible young voters cast a ballot in 2020, which means the other half the other half didn't. Cynthia, what would you say to them?
4: I would definitely first off start with people that I know and then let it branch on from there. Most of them use social media as an aspect and as their source but I usually tend to tell them voting is very important since their vote might not matter to them now but it will matter to them within the future and that's what kind of stops them make them think a little bit and from there they start telling their friends their families and then I just feel it's a growing aspect one thing that I know for sure is that I wouldn't force anything on them trying to Have that as my only conversation because then people will get tired of it and have and will less likely to vote because it's being brought up so much. They would have to be influenced by, for example, if once I vote, I'm going to use that as an aspect and be like, I already voted, it's not a long process, you can do it too. Mm. Carly, what about you? What would you say to
3: young voters who aren't exercising that right?
1: Yeah, I think you know it's tough to take young voters seriously sometimes because people assume that they don't vote and they're not a real voting bloc. Um, so I would encourage young voters to exercise that right um, because that will kind of grow the demographics political power um, and politicians from all sides, all the ideologies will really take young people more and more seriously if they're you know a voting bloc
3: that is to be contended with. And Victoria, anything to add? Yeah, I think
0: it's... You know, you can't force anybody to vote, but I definitely agree with, you know, starting with your friends. And I think it is just important to uh, start conversations about it because the more information they see about voting, whether it be a poster around campus or in their community or, you know, having conversations with their peers or older people in their life who are voting, it becomes a more relevant issue to them and makes them more likely to vote.
3: Andrea, what resources are out there to help people parse through the candidates and issues on their state's ballots? Some of these ballots can get pretty long.
2: (laughs) They can. Um, Vote.org is about to launch a What's on Your Ballot tool, um, so that will be coming. Stay tuned. Um, But depending on the state you live in, there are different um, voter guides that are available out there. Um, And it's, you know, researching for your vote is almost like anything else you would do, whether it's researching for school or for like what restaurant you want to go out to or to like what are your, about your favorite band. It's about spending some real time looking through, um, seeing who's running for office and looking these candidates up, going to the candidate sites Knowing what they stand for and what they don't stand for and making sure that you have your voice heard. I think that one of the big important things is while sometimes things can seem overwhelming, you just need to take it a step at a time. Because if you don't participate, it doesn't mean that people don't get elected. It just means that you didn't have a say in what's happening and who gets elected. And to your last question... I think one of the big important things about you know uh, the right to vote, generation over generation, is I think it was Coretta Scott King that said, uh, "Freedom is never really won; you have to earn it." And win it in every generation. And so this is this generation's opportunity to go ahead, dig in, do the research, go online, go to vote.org, use the
3: resources available to you and um, get out there and have your voice heard. And I just want to remind everyone, if you're casting a vote for the first time, and maybe you're doing it via absentee, remember that voting laws, including registration and ballot deadlines, vary state by state. So you can find out more about the rules where you live by going to vote.org. Thanks to our guests. Victoria Simich is a first-year student at Miami University in Ohio, and they're voting for the first time this election. Cynthia Dominguez is a first-year student at Suffolk University, and she's voting for the first time this year. And Carly Matthews is a young voter and communications director for the American Conservation Coalition. That's a conservative nonprofit advocating for the environment. Also with us, Andrea Haley. She's the CEO of Vote.org. That's a nonpartisan digital voter engagement organization. Thanks to you all. Today's producer was Amanda Williams. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again tomorrow. This is 1A.